Visit the Ford Fan Zone on Level 6 of the next Utah Jazz game. There are free pop shot games, cornhole, and foosball tables. Enjoy incredible city and mountain views while relaxing, enjoying food and drink, taking in the game, and socializing with friends. We've talked a lot of football this morning. John Wilner, writing in the Bay Area for years, now syndicated all over the Pac-12. Has the Utes in the top spot in the South, winning the division again for the fourth time in five years in the fourth consecutive full season, throwing out the season where they played five games and had to play a conference opener with no non-conference games after an opponent had played twice. It was a, well, the best thing you can say about it is it was a funky year. You can say a lot of stuff that's worse about it. So you throw that one out, it would be four in a row. Who runs the South? How quickly can Lincoln Riley go into the transfer portal and pull together a USC football team that can beat the Utes? Because that seems to be what most people are looking at right now. Yeah, I think you have to give Lincoln Riley some time. I've said it with everybody. Why wouldn't I say it with him? I mean, I realize he's from Oklahoma, and he's got a Heisman Trophy factory and quarterbacks left and right and all that stuff. And and Williams may look like he's going to transfer over, and he was sensational as a first-year freshman and all that. But still, I don't think it's fair to judge Lincoln Riley's first season on South Division or bust. That seems too high of a standard for me. Maybe he does get it going. I mean... Even Klyovkov, when he had him on last week, you know, that's the thing that everyone's pointing to. Well, as we talked with the commissioner, he's been so open about we've got to keep these local kids. And he started reciting Georgia, Alabama, Clemson, Ohio State, State, Oklahoma. Oklahoma. (laughs) Every one of those first game starting quarterbacks were uh, from the Pac-12. Pac-12 footprint, yep. Yeah. And so we asked him, you know, what is going to change there? You can talk about it all you want, but it's got to change. And he was talking about, well, there's two ways. Uh, You can take shortcuts or you can do it through investments, right? And then he said that we don't do shortcuts. Well, I'm not opposed to shortcuts if they work. But nevertheless, you know, you want the long-term sustainability like Alabama every freaking year. You know, you just put them in a pen. You don't even have to pencil it. And he's talking about investments in facilities, and we've seen Oregon State and Oregon and people doing what they're going to do to make sure everything's up to snuff. And then he's talking about investments in the coaches because he's been big on investing. Return on investment. If you invest in football, you will get the return on the investment, right? He's been talking about that. That's one of his talking points that he's been hitting home. Uh, And I get that because why not? You can't change the TV contract for 30 months. So why scream and yell about that, right? I mean, that's still almost three years away before you can do anything about that. Well, the other stuff, you can do something now. And his big thing that he's sort of putting all his eggs in the basket, cliche, is the coaches. And Lincoln Riley is the crown jewel of the coaching hires, right? So, man. For Klyovkov's sake and for the conference's sake, Lincoln Riley better hit a home run. I mean, it and it's got to not just clear the fence, right? It's got to be out of. It's got to be in the parking lot, out of Dodger Stadium. Join Tatiste and Willie Stargell as the only ones to hit it out. I mean, he's got to do that. Lincoln Riley just can't be good. He's got to be great. If he in doesn't order for this win, conference to get where it wants to go. If he doesn't win the conference and go to the playoff like he did at Oklahoma, how do you explain that away? It's a failure. <laughs> well, yes, 
But but why is it a failure? Did he forget football, or they're just built-in things the Pac-12 and USC don't have that Oklahoma and the Big 12 do have? Yes. And I'm, I'm a little hesitant to go to the facilities thing. Over half the league has redone their stadium since the Utes joined the league. Whether it's a significant... Um, partial rebuild like the Utes, right? They did the south end zone. Okay, ASU has redone theirs. USC has done a massive luxury suite thing on the west side of the Coliseum. Yeah, I don't think it's the football stadium, though. I think it's about the facilities that the kids use every day. So it's more the, the football center, which the Utes yeah. built a new one, and yeah, Oklahoma but, has built a new one. Or and Oklahoma, the practice Oregon. site, all yeah. that stuff. Uh, you, you, that's where they are day after day, year round. The the football facility, the football stadium is the, you know game some day. practices and day, yeah. obviously game day and, you, and it has to be that's more nice for the fans and that's where you make your money with the luxury suites and all and they did a great job with the Garf South End Zone blah 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 it's spectacular uh, speaking of the Utes they got all that it's the other stuff that they've they've got to get and just the overall investment in the program who was it Yox somebody put out. Uh, I saw on some social media listing all the analysts and advisors mm-hmm. uh, for Alabama versus BYU. That and, would oh, it was actually Georgia. That would be Georgia. Yeah. So yeah. it was Jeff Hansen from Cougar Sports Insider. Okay. Well, I mean, it was a great job there. Just it, it spoke for itself. You didn't even really need the list. Any, yeah. Yeah. I mean, you got over here on the left. You got 50 people, basically. I mean, that's what it's about. And, that, and that's where they have to go. That's where Klyovkov is talking about the investments. You've got to have the stadium, too. But it's, it's way more than that. And that's where you need to be up to snuff. And are they going to do it? Are they going to put in the emphasis that is basically to the point of win at all costs? And everything needs to be pointed out. Now, Klyovkov is talking a really good game. And he hit that from his very first press conference. I think we all listened to it. I know I did. I was at the gym, and they had it on Zoom, and I tuned into it, and I listened the entire time. And football is the highest priority. That, that's clearly what he was hired to do. So he's going to hit that home. We talk about how local announcers are homers, because that's what they're hired to do, right? And so I'm not going to criticize them for that. That's how they keep their job. Well, that's how George got the job, is clearly he has had innovative ideas for football and we've already seen with this all-star panel that they've created i don't know what they're going to be able to do and maybe it's just one small step for the pac-12 one giant step for college football remains to be seen but that's just a first example right and go and he was talking about how they want more say in the tv when they have premier games, so they get more of a say on when the game should be broadcast, right? Because they've got to get into the East. And he brought up how David Shaw spoke of guys not winning the Heisman because of their time zone games. And I can tell you that's literally why McCaffrey did not win. And I don't Larry Scott would have never acknowledged it. He wouldn't he, there's no way he would have acknowledged it. And here you've got Klyovkov talking about it. They're gonna get there. So for Lincoln Riley winning it all and getting in the playoff, I think you gotta give him legitimately three years before you can really start judging him on that level. It's interesting how everything speeds up. Five-year plans turn into four, turn into three. Now we're seeing coaches run after two years in the pros. 
I don't think we've seen a lot of guys run after two years in the colleges. Todd Graham. Yeah. But there's got to be extenuating issues. Right. Now, when I say three years, that doesn't mean uh, the Chip Kelly snail's pace thing. <laughs> and in four years, you get uh, eight wins, and that's your high water mark. No, I'm not talking about that. Same thing with Herm Edwards. You know, he's going into his fifth year. The, that, the one year is a little bit askew, but... This would be so. Then his fourth full year, I guess, and and you know your your high watermark is watermark is eight wins. That's not good enough for what you were hired and what your AD said. I mean, let's call it like it is. You haven't bottomed out by any stretch, but eight wins that you should be able to roll that out on a fairly consistent basis. So I think for Lincoln uh, Lincoln Riley, it, how many times are we going to call him Lincoln Kennedy? But it's Lincoln Riley. Uh, it's you know nine ten wins, and then by year three. All right, we've got the, especially when the TV contract gets more amenable to success, then at that point, it's on. And it's going to be really interesting to see how he can do because he's coming in now, and there's only one comparison, and that's Pete Carroll. That's it. Right? Everything else is too long ago. Well, Nobody else had enough success. I'm thinking between Pete and now. Yeah. You, if you want to go back, but you don't have to go back. You can go back to Pete. You don't have to go back to Robinson and McKay. You, you can just go, boom, Pete Carroll. Look what Pete Carroll did. And Pete Carroll did not have the resume that Lincoln Riley has. No, he didn't. Coming into the gig, right? Now he goes out of it, sensational. But coming into it, no. So you're coming into it. You and there's there's some big off uh, off season hires. Obviously, Kelly to LSU is huge, but none is bigger than Oklahoma to SC with Lincoln Riley, a young guy still in his 30s, right? And he's like 38 years old. I have to double check that. So he's this exciting, innovative Heisman producing quarterback factory, and that's what you're expected here. And it's and I, if I'm Klyovkov, I am pumping that because that's that's one of the trump cards that I have, right? So pump it. I can't really pump up uh, Washington. Who knows? That guy may be awesome, yeah. but he doesn't have the name recognition yet. You know, Fish is doing great stuff off the field. I believe it's uh, down in Arizona. I believe it's going to translate on the field. I, I've say, I told you that weeks ago. I don't know if I said it on the air or we were just no, having you were a on conversation. The air. You were on the air. Yeah. Fish I'm is trending in the right direction. You're hearing folks good things. down there. Yeah. In I the am. transfer portal, he's gotten some good players. Yeah. Uh, getting Jaden Delara out of uh, Washington State. Huge plus. That's got to help him. Especially, you're getting a starting quarterback. You're not getting a kid who wasn't playing. Right. You're getting a starting quarterback. Available and, because uh, new coaching staff in Washington State was bringing in their guy, the OC. Coach the kids from Incarnate Word, no less. I know that's not exactly a football power. I, I know everyone's hmm? <laughs> <laughs> that better pay off. So, a couple things as you went, uh, you went, you got on a roll there. I think Klyovkov, we're going to hear from him again investment shortcuts, and he's waiting. He's not saying it yet because there's no reason to get out, crawl out on the limb, but he's poised 
to double down on that if ASU or UCLA has a 10-win season. See, they built, they stuck with this guy, they didn't have the big splash year two, but look what they're doing year five. And if either ASU or UCLA gets to 10 wins, they're going to be ranked and it's going to be a big story. It's going to be something that the national media can sink their teeth into. The Hammers got the Devils fifth. What the hell are you talking about a 10-win team? (laughs) Klyavkov isn't going to say that. I'm telling you, if they do it. But they got no chance to do it. The Hammer, the foremost authority, he's syndicated. He's got him fifth. I wouldn't bet on it either, but if they do it, Klyavkov will be right there talking about investment. I'm not saying they're they're not even going to beat Arizona. (laughs) You got your guys at three and nine. You're a fan cushioning the blow. I don't. How about the Hammer does? How about USC making a splash just because the schedule lightens up? Rice, Fresno State, and Notre Dame. Uh, Fresno's got a new coach, so we'll have to see. But that's not the toughest schedule USC has taken on. Uh, Yeah, what do they usually go? When did they go last year in the non-conference? They lost to Notre Dame later on. I mean, but Notre Dame is always later on. Their season basically is determined by the time they get to Notre Dame. Particularly when they play them in L.A. because it's the last game of the season. Well, certainly it was uh, this year because they'd already fired their coach by then. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, they they were gone in week two. So, uh, right, Stanford, they play, yeah. they, they've set it up now. That's become a tradition. They play Stanford in week two because Stanford and, and the Trojans both play Notre Dame. So they move it up a week, which which is fun. Get the, I love the conference games. Uh, yeah, I don't, I don't know about that, though. I, I I think Notre Dame is always going to be tough, right? I mean, they're they're a solid football program, and beating Notre Dame these days is is going to be difficult, the way I look at it, right? They lost two games last year, right? So I don't see where it's that big of a difference. Uh, Maybe they don't play another big-time non-conference opponent, and they should go 2-0 against Fresno and Rice, but you're always expecting that. Uh, it, it, you know what? What are they going to do in the conference? I, I, I'm not expecting them. I'm not expecting him to walk on water this year. But you know, I'm also not ruling it out because I, I view it in a little bit of the Bronco Mendenhall when he took over. Clearly, the program had more talent than a four-win season. Yes, right. But they were just running in every which direction. And they let that Clay Helton thing play out far too long. Yes, you know, and it dragged it dragged everything down. Right. The the whole just the whole situation. Yeah. Beyond what Clay could control. Right. Every every loss was a soap opera. Yeah. We were in Lavelle Edwards Stadium, and they lose two years ago to BYU, and that was one of the very first questions. And Clay, they asked him about it and about the noise it's going to create, and he said. I'm coaching a football program in Los Angeles, Angeles, California. Every day there's an inordinate amount of noise. And I burst out laughing when he said that. (laughs) And it was almost like an awkward... Yeah. That that one dude used to work at KFAN. He was way too loud for the room. Yes. <laughs> I can't think of his name. I drove back Napoleon. to Poison. No, no, not him. No, it was before them. It was before your time. Oh, uh, I know who you're and, talking about And now. he was just a loud guy in a, in a closed quarters. Well, I burst out laughing and uh, because he was right. 
And that's what they had. And then last year at Pac-12 Media Day, because we didn't have it the year before with the COVID thing, I asked him, I said, you remember making that statement? And you remember a guy in the front row laughing really loud? He says, yeah, I do. I said, that was me. <laughs> <laughs> and there's so much nonsense that you had to put up I didn't with. Know, I didn't know you doubled back and hit that with him. That's hilarious. Yeah, I did. I did. Because I thought, you know, this guy's got no chance to succeed. Because the standard is undefeated, and not just undefeated, you better win by 25. And they let it go on, and they went through a slew of ex-players as athletic directors, and it was all just a freaking mess. And now we'll see if they got past that. Just getting past that, I think, will make them better. Because now they got somebody, the AD hired him, he's going to be there. It's like, there's no point in me acting up, man, because it's like the Larry Miller-Jerry Sloan thing. If you had a player who went against Jerry Sloan, who did Larry Miller back? He backed Jerry Sloan every Jay time. Jerry Sloan every yeah, time, yeah. Right, so the players knew, hey, get in line, guys, because this isn't changing. It's his way or forget it, and his way usually works. So last, so last year was a gonna mess. they're going to have that. Yeah, last year was a mess for USC because they're losing to Stanford, and they're losing to Oregon State, and they're losing to ASU. Mm-hmm. So you talked about those non-conference games with Rice and Fresno State. If they take care of business and win those at home, guess who they play early in the year? They're at Stanford. They're at Oregon State. Are they 4-0 when they go to ASU on October 1? Are they 5-0 walking out of there because Herm's a mess? Well, yeah, they're finished fifth. They don't, they don't, their big game with Notre Dame is at the end of the year, and they don't play Oregon and Washington. So it's set up for Lincoln to come in. And what was the phrase you used? Walk on water? Yeah. I went biblical. 6-0 and oh, coming to play the Utes in mid-October? <laughs> I like that. That's a, that's a little later. I, I would prefer like the first week of November, but I'll take mid-October. You got to give you, you can't have your like 7-0 and o team play a 6-1 and one team unless you push the game back to, a, to at least week 8 or 9. I disagree with you on that, man. I know you do. Big games are big games, and the stakes just rise. They don't decrease. They That's, rise. And so let them rise. Yeah, but, you could have a, big, but they, had, they had a big game with Oregon What's last a year. big game to us? Is it a big game nationally? How good well, those teams? that's up to the teams how ha, good they are. How good does their record have to be? I know. I just don't know nationally. You know, 3-0 versus 3-0 uh, and o is going to fire anybody up. Uh, I think it can. I think it gives uh, – Utah's a brand name now. The Rose Bowl helped a lot. The Rose Bowl feels like a big step forward for Utah on the national stage. I don't sure. know that a team has ever gotten that much credit and that many pats on the back in a loss. Oh, yeah, it's the rare loss that felt great. Yes, and I don't <laughs> think... Well, and the only other one that comes to mind is when BYU scheduled a game on uh, 14 hours notice and flew out for a Coastal Carolina. Yeah, it was just a freaky time. It was. But that's another thing where they lost the game and everybody celebrated the fact it was played. Mm. I, I can't think of that many Not times the when the team level. lost and it felt like that big a step forward. All right, DJ and PK, everything you missed in this show, we will get you up to speed next. Stay with us. 
This is Jake Scott and Ben Anderson. Trevor Allen, of course, covers the Utes for KSLSports.com. Talk about your reaction. Quinton Ganther getting the gig. I think it's a good thing for Utah. That was the only name that, that really came to mind as someone who could come in and, and really pick up with, with what Coach Mack did in his, in his time here at, at, at Utah, and that's to be able to, to continue to bring in top running back talent, develop the guys that are in here, and send them off to the NFL. And Quinton can do that. Here, Jake Scott and Ben Anderson every day from 10 to noon on 97.5 1280 The Zone, powered by kslsports.com. DJ and PK brought to you in part by Five Star Painting. Refresh the inside or outside of your home with a five-star experience with Five Star Painting. They've got the time, skills, and tools. Fivestarpainting.com. That's fivestarpainting.com. All right, it's time to get you up to date on everything we've talked about in this show. Two slackers up to speed. PK, we had a little local college hoops in Utah State. They are in games, but not quite able to pull it off. Had a winnable game at home against Wyoming getaway. Had a 10-point lead at the half at Fresno State. But Fresno State, 40-23 to in the second half. They come roaring back and win the game. 61-54, the Aggies dropped to 10-8 and and 1-4 in conference. This is a conference that's got five strong teams with NCAA hopes at the top of the league. CSU seems like the best bet. San Diego State on rep would seem to be right there, but it should be a three-team league. Maybe it'll be more than that. We'll have to see how it plays out. But as they beat each other up here, I would think at least three of these five get in. Yeah, you go way back and you talk about the strength of the league, and we're not talking about Vegas or New Mexico. You know, they've had some decent teams over the years, and not the case now. But as far as the Aggies go, I expect them to have a down year relative to the last few years because they lost their staff and what a couple players transfer. Uh, Nemius goes off to the NBA. And that's a lot to replace. I mean, they've got a couple grad transfers. I don't know if they're grad transfers or double check, but transfers. You know, Horvath's a pretty good player. Uh, but to me, it's not really a surprise where they're at right now. Last place in the league, the New Mexico Lobos. What has happened? It's uh, Boise State, Wyoming, Fresno State joining CSU and San Diego State at the top of the league. We'll see how that sorts itself out. Yeah, in my day, New Mexico, man, that was always a, a big trip. I mean, they just go berserk there. Yeah. They would meet. I, I've been there on Sunday nights on their Sunday night sports shows. It's like three stations. It's just Lobo basketball in the winter uh, almost exclusively. A recruit would come into town. They'd send a crew to the airport. Yeah, just a, just a recruit. Not, not someone who signed, but a recruit. Yikes. Glad I, <laughs> glad I don't have to do that. Yeah, I mean, that, I, that's why I always thought that that was one of the toughest jobs because the expectations were so, so high. Yeah. yeah. All right, NBA news, uh, NBA trade. The deadline is coming up. The Nuggets adding a little three-point shooting and a three-team trade with the Celtics and Spurs. Bryn Forbes goes to the Nuggets. Nuggets hope he'll help with their three-point shooting. Celtics get cap relief in all of this. The Nuggets are sending Bull Bull and P.J. Dozier to the Celtics. So, Bull Bull will be traded one way or another. If not Toronto, then Boston. Is that who it was, Toronto? Yeah. Yeah, they rejected the, the Bull Bull deal. He failed the physical. Yeah, I don't even remember. Uh, yeah, I, I like what uh, we had Mike Smith on, and, and he knows Mr. Ainge very well, obviously, over the years. And I like his analogy of playing golf with Mr. Ainge that 
you know, he's go for broke <laughs> all the time. <laughs> Mike did say, like, I think yeah. U.S. Open. I think fairways and greens and lots of pars and yeah. uh, a few birdies here and there. The age, man, grip it and rip it. I can reach that green. Yeah, you wonder how that translates here. And we're just getting started. We're just getting started with the Jazz in so many ways. You know, this is Ryan Smith's first full season. And what are they going to do? And we'll know. At least we'll have an idea of what he's going to do to an extent. I mean, not completely because it has to play out over years. But I think we'll have a good idea by February 10th, you know, where where they stand and, and how bold they're going to be. Now, if they don't do anything bold, that doesn't mean boldness isn't going to come down the road. So I don't want to act like it's all or nothing by February 10th. I'm not saying that. But will they be bold immediately? And it's a tough position to be into because when you think about it, you know, it's, it's got to be hard not to get caught up in the moment. The Jazz are going through a streak, not good right now. And so we're reducing expectations. I mean, I've basically eliminated best record in the West, right? And I think a lot of us have. But at the same time, it's so what? Because there are circumstances, all right, the, the Gobert thing being out, yeah, they're just not as good. And then I agree with what Mike said about the Laker game. The one for 26 out of four shooters how many times are you going to have that? And every time you have that, you're not going to win. But how many times are you going to have it? Probably not very many times. So how do you make sure that you don't get caught up right now as opposed to what's best? You know, And if it was a slam dunk trade move, then of course you would make it. Everybody would make it. You know, are you, I can give you this and I get back Jeff Hornacek? Well, yeah, of course. Or I could give you Exum and I get back Clarkson? Well, yeah, of course. But those are the trades that really alter the course of the franchise. But at the same time, sometimes they're not as crystal clear. And what do you do in those situations? You know, there's gambles there, right? You look at the Suns at Yohonasek, that first year, they roll out 48 wins. They make a bunch of changes, and they'll suck. And they make a a bunch of draft picks, and they suck. (laughs) And then you had... Ten years of losing. Ten years. And now they're on top of the world, and it seems like that ten-year period was in the uh, 1880s. It seems so long ago, but it was just down the road a little bit, yeah, like a few years back. And they finally got out of it. And they made good moves, right? They made, they made some good drafting bookers, a good move. Getting Chris Paul is a good move. They sort of lucked in that Aiton doesn't suck. He's not Doncic, but he doesn't suck. Doncic clearly was the pick. Aiden's got to stay healthy. That's his deal. And then he'll be a nice player. Not a megastar, which is what Doncic seems destined for. Oh, I think he's already there. I'd, I'd trade him for Mitchell right now. Back he's got to win to be the megastar. I think we all assume he's going to. We saw him nah, hit that you're shot you're in the bubble. Players around him. Uh, agreed. Agreed. And then the best player on paper can't stay healthy there. So it's a problem. I I don't even know if they have a best player anymore outside of him. Somebody's got to be it by default. Right. You're speaking of Porzingis. Porzingis. But, yeah, that was a Mike Smith thing. Who would you trade Mitchell for? I get his point. It's a very select group. And it's guys who won't be traded. So you're not going to. Most likely it's, not. It's strictly yeah, so it's uh, hypothetical. The point, yeah. the point Mike was making 
is Mitchell's greatness, which right. I sign off on 100%. Right, and to do it in the mid-20s, that there are a lot of great players with great resumes, but you wouldn't trade a guy with Mitchell's ability in his 20s for a guy who's in his 30s, especially because there's a lot of stars now who are mid-30s, or in the case of LeBron, late 30s, and you would never do that. So a lot of the elite players in the game, you wouldn't, based on age. There just aren't that many players who yeah. are that good that young. And and Booker, they they get this discussion uh, on Phoenix Radio. I know they Booker do. That's why I brought Joe. it up. And you know Booker's a nice player. I think Booker because he scored seventy points. It's almost like that was a negative. You scored seventy points and your team sucks. So what? Like if he would have scored fifty, he wouldn't have taken as much grief. But he scored seventy, so he took a bunch of grief. He came I, off as selfish in that circumstance. He's a nice player. He's a very good player. He's an all star player. Uh, yeah, and 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 Mike's point was, yeah, when he gets Chris Paul and he really takes off, uh, I'm not sure his game individually took off. The team took off. But no he needed the team it. to win to get the recognition of being a really good player. Otherwise, he's a guy who puts up a lot of points on a on a bad to mediocre team. And, and Mitchell, it's not bad to mediocre. The, the Jazz and it's. I know a lot of Jazz fans are depressed because it's the fourth best record in the West, and it is, and that doesn't lie. It's also the fourth best record in the NBA. I mean, they're not that far from the top of the heap. Hey, number one, sing it, sing it, (laughs) sing it, Frank. The Bulls lead the East right now at 27 and 15. They're a game behind the Jazz. Uh huh. Suns, Warriors, Grizzlies, Jazz. I think the Jazz are still in the mix. I have not eliminated them. I've eliminated them for the best record, and maybe they'll su- surprise. Excuse me, surprise and go on some big time run. Don't think to that level, as that would require the Suns to stumble more than they've been stumbling so far. All right, so I've eliminated them for best record, but I still haven't eliminated them as a contender, particularly if they make a bold move. Uh, where are we? Three weeks away now. The trade that we can't perceive that we wouldn't suggest because it's too lopsided, but then it happens, and the reasons are only clear in retrospect? Maybe they find their Ronnie Cycli. <laughs> <laughs> That's a sore subject. What would you have to do that for? Because I never thought he was the missing piece anyway. <laughs> oh, man. In that era, my brother lived in the Bay Area and had a friend who had season tickets at work. And the guy, and this is all pre, you know, it was long enough ago, right? It's pre-internet and pre-all these secondary sites. So the guy would literally, this, this guy and his wife would go down and they would pick the games they wanted to go to. And it would be in the 15 to 20 range. And then he would put a list up of all the other games that were available. And, you, and they had pretty good seats. And you'd go to wherever you wanted. And my brother ended up with such a low opinion of Ronnie Cycli. <laughs> oh, my gosh. Because he could just go to the office and buy however many games he wanted from this guy. And my brother at that point, you know, he was single and a kid. He could go to NBA games all he wanted. He had nothing going on. He was always available. (laughs) Ronnie Cycli. It reminded me of so much of living in Phoenix during the uh, 80s when they'd get a player. Oh, he's the missing piece. Lorenzo Romar, uh, James Edward. All these guys were supposed to be the missing piece. Chuck Robinson. None of them were the missing piece. Yeah. All right, DJ and PK, uh, uh, college football news we talked about. Brendan Rice, son of NFL Hall of Famer Jerry Rice at Colorado. He is leaving and transferring to USC. 21 catches, 299 yards, three touchdowns last year. 
Presumably he'll be playing with a better quarterback. Presumably there'll be a lot of competition at wide receiver as well. Where did he go to high school, PK? I did not know that, but you said he went to uh, Chandler, Chandler, Arizona. He's a Chandler kid. Did he go to uh, Chandler High? I don't know the answer to that. Chandler High is the big-time football power that Conover and, and Romney and several players have been in the NFL have gone to. Hi, right, DJ and PK. That'll give me something to do during the break. Your feedback's coming up on the other side. Stay with us. DJ and PK, 9 o'clock slackers, you're up to speed. That's most of what we talked about here in the show. You got the major topics. And it is brought to you by Lee's Heating and Air, home to the award-winning line of American Standard Furnaces and Air Conditioners. Call Lee's now for their $59 furnace tune-up special or visit them online at leesheatac.com. And it's all over almost here. Don't go nowhere. Feedback of the day brought to you by Thrive Appliance. Every day is like a holiday sale at Thrive Appliance. Save 40 to 70% off name brand appliances. Thrive is receiving truckloads of new inventory every day. Visit thriveappliance.com to shop their updated inventory. You making a big deal out of the Sports Writer Sportscast of the Year and asking if people are outraged that I didn't win? Greg Rubel and Jay Drew did. Ben says, I demand a Cyber Ninja audit. A recount? Cyber Ninja audit somehow seems like more than a recount, but officially I think it would be a recount, yes. But doesn't it seem like escalating recount to a higher level? Uh, sure, yes. Way fancier. I'll give you that. No yeah. doubt about it. I don't know what it means, but it sounds... A ninja who understands their ways around all things uh, digital, and then audit is just a fancy word for it. It's like my uh, 16-year-old had a paper due today. hope the English teacher isn't listening. And the vivid description was a big key in hmm. her her paper, and she used it twice. I said, "You can't use it twice. Let's say we'll say the same thing, but we'll just fancy it up." And I gave her. I figure, what the heck? She's been trying. She's been working at this thing all day. I'll just throw in some big fancy words, bound to impress the teacher. What'd you come up with? Oh, I, I, uh, cyber ninja audit? No, like a. <laughs> spectacular, clear example of the plethora of opportunities awaited. <laughs> Always use the word plethora. <laughs> plethora is a word that is only used in papers for school, not in real life. <laughs> and she's there, oh, let me write this down. <laughs> Nobody says, I have hit a plethora of greens in regulation today. Nobody says, I have hit a plethora of three-pointers. Yeah. I figured if I just use a bunch of fancy words that uh, it was bound to impress the teacher. And I thought, ah, what the heck? She's been working at it. And writing, writing is a, is a skill unto itself. And um, most folks don't have it. Not that I have it, but I have it more than she does. Uh, so I helped her out a little bit by throwing down some big words that sounded good. I don't know what it meant, but it sounded good. Mercury News with the early projections for the North and South Division races in the Pac-12. Same two teams at the top, Utah and Oregon, according to uh, John Wilner. And uh, Greg says, well, as long as you stay in the Pac-12, the eighth strongest conference in the power rankings last season, they're guaranteed nine or ten wins every year. Outside of that pathetic conference, Utah was one and three. Which that was is, last year, though. We're yeah. looking next year. Last year's over. I can't argue that. They were one and three. They didn't beat a team outside of the conference that was in their division. You know, obviously it was just Weber State, but that's last year. So we're looking ahead, man. We're not changing last year, and that's over. We're talking about next season already. 
I wouldn't call it a dynasty, Darren says, but it is impressive. A dynasty in a division when there's only six teams. That's a little bit too much, isn't it? Yes, yes, definitely. Because I remember leagues as being eight teams. We all get imprinted in our youth. And to me, eight's the number. Now the SEC is going to be at eight-team divisions when Oklahoma and Texas join. So that'll be a thing. Yeah, it's just that, you know, you, you backed it up with two dominant wins over the North winner. And you went to the Rose Bowl and you went toe-to-toe with Ohio State. That's the great thing about it is that's why I wanted Ohio State because we were talking about how you could be excited in a loss. If it would have been Michigan State and you lost, no. But the the fact that it was so competitive against Ohio State, everybody feels like the rare feel-good loss. And it's not Ohio State. It's the Ohio State. Oh, bleep that. I know, right? (laughs) It's so self-important. All right, DJ and PK, we're out of time. Jake and Ben are coming up next. We will see you tomorrow.